I'm Katie. And I'm Michael. And this is Missing History, where each week we bring you and ourselves a story about a woman or someone who identifies as female that we want to know more about. We'll share some stories, talk about it, and maybe get a little mad at the patriarchy. Maybe more than a little mad. Today's episode contains strong language and references to violence and sexual assault. So exciting. Do you want to talk about it? I think we should probably let people know. Set the scene. That for the first time in weeks, months even, we are recording from the same location. Face to face. Face to face. I could hold your hand if I wanted to. Or if you wanted to. Consent is important. Consent is so important. um, uh, Yeah, you wouldn't know that because our amazing mixer is uh, doing a great job mashing our separate recordings together so it hopefully feels like we're in the same room but it's been it's been a minute it has I missed you i missed you too how are you <laughs> hanging in there got a lot going on a lot going Which on gonna might be... be an understatement yeah there's like some stuff and some things <laughs> uh i'm trying to move in three days it's fine it's just across state lines don't worry about it it's also the holidays next week it's gonna be christmas that's a good time to move right yeah and i mean you're still working too on top of all uh-huh. of that mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. yes mm-hmm. amazing yeah. so you know i'm here i'm smiling but i uh confession ready yeah, i'm ready we're both catholic <laughs> this is weird you're the priest in this scenario um I have i'm uncomfortable with that in, yeah me too i don't like it um uh i did not I did not bring a lady to talk about, but I have a party. I have a um, olive branch to extend to you, which is that for a book club this month, uh, we read Michelle Obama's Becoming, and I could talk for a good hour and a half about it if you wanted me to. I would love that. I've not got a chance to read it yet, so I would love to hear your thoughts on it. Should we end with that or start with that? Maybe let's end with that. That can be like our treat at the end. She is full of hope, so spoilers. She stays on brand. Um, good. That's good to hear. So it's all you, man. Oh, boy. So we get our first mansplaining episode. Yeah. They're always half mansplaining. They're mansplaining. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Yeah. But, you know, you can Jesus take the wheel. That's you. Okay. Go for it. Great. Mm-hmm. Um, I feel like this is like a super appropriate episode because I want to talk about a Trump. No. Not one of those Trumps, though. I'm so stressed. Not one of those Trumps. Why? I'm sorry. That was a mean joke to play. Mm. Um <laughs> want to talk about Lady Trumpington, okay, who is better. an actual, honest-to-God British aristocrat um, who very recently passed away. Oh, a recent one. Very recent, like in November. But How Trumpington was she? How Trumpington was she? You know so, what I mean? Mm-hmm. So she, she is a conservative. She's oh. a member of the conservative party. They're great. And will eventually become part of the House of Lords. It might be good that I'm so stressed out because I have way less filter right now. But keep going. This is great. I think this is going to work well because this, she's a special lady. Um, <laughs> and I think just like the, the way to frame that up is she is both in support of legalizing brothels, but also opposed a ban on fox hunting. So what those a are spectrum. Her. Really tackling the issues of our time. Exactly. Great. Um, she sounds dope. She is dope and also simultaneously deeply problematic. Yay. So let's get into kind. it. <laughs> okay. um, so her name was not always Lady Trumpington. Oh. Surprise, surprise. She didn't come out. They were like, we shall name her Lady Trumpington. Um, Baby lady. <laughs> It'll go great. Unfortunately not. Yeah. Uh, her, she's born Jean Alice Campbell Harris. <sighs> Last name is hyphenated. 
British Protestant. They love the names. Yeah. All big fans. She's born in October of 1922. Her father, okay. Arthur, is a member of the British upper class um, and is a Good major... Accent. Good Worked accent. on that. There's a drinking days. game whenever we attempt an accent. I think it's like a good <laughs> sip. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. That that could be our first like good audience interaction thing. Yeah. Start making drinking game rules, guys. Mm-hmm. Okay. And does it count if we make them for our own podcast? We can start them off. Okay. They can take the you know take up the mantle. Great. Yeah. Okay. So solid British accent number one. Um, any accent, I think, big old. Big old swig of whatever you're having. And anytime I horribly mispronounce something in French. Whenever you just like, but whenever you like lean into your French, it's actually very, yeah, also a good rule. Start writing them down, somebody. Here we go. Okay, uh, sorry. What was her full name? What? So her, her name well, is. Well, no. What's her first name? Jean. Okay, great. Um, her dad's name is Arthur. Her mom's name is Doris. Um, dad is a major in the British names. Army. Uh, working in India as part of the colonial administration. Yeah. He has a reputation as a bit of a playboy is kind of like one of these like british aristocrats who gets sent off to the colonies because he kind of might be an embarrassment at home if they let him stick around good so inflict him on other people exactly british imperial policy for centuries it worked great for everyone involved everyone's happy about it Mm -hmm. um doris on the other hand wealthy american heiress to a paint fortune (laughs) father owns a large paint company in chicago okay um and so they marry and this is a not uncommon thing, mm-hmm. late 19th, early 20th century, sort of down on their luck, British gentlemen who have titles or sort of attached to nobility, mm-hmm. marrying really rich American women who... Yeah, it's like the whole start of Downton Abbey, isn't it? It's so... Cora was American. I know that. <laughs> also better name. But... Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is it's that, it's that story exactly, except this mm-hmm. case, Paint Fortune, mm-hmm. British Army officer, fall in love... Or at the very least, their parents set them up and marry them off to each other. Or they met once and then got married. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great. The, like, the stories about like sort of London mm-hmm. high society at this time where literally like they would ship over like eligible American like 19 and 20 year olds and be like, look at them. And three days later, you'd be engaged and married like Solid. a couple weeks later. You know, there's pros and cons to every system. True. You know, they never had to go through the rigmarole of online dating. That's true. They never had to set up a Bumble profile. Yeah. That's a different kind of stress. <laughs> On par with getting married after three days. So. Yep. Exactly. Cool. So this is happening. So this lot. is happening. And um, then our little gene is a product of this union. Exactly. Born in the early 1920s. Mm. Um, her family's running in those high circles. They're hanging out with the future King Edward and Wallace So she's Simpson. like Down Abbey. Yeah. She is like the later down seasons when it's all downhill. But, yeah. you know. And well, of course, it's... We're all still excited for the movie. Let's be real. <laughs> I have to admit, I've not actually watched any of it. It's fine. It's just my ringtone. Don't worry about it. Okay. So I should get on that <laughs> is what you're saying. It's a hoot. The first season is really good. Okay. I'll say that. I mean, I the internet seems very, very big fans of it. I should give it a shot. Yeah. Hang on. Let's ask our guest. Catherine, is Downton Abbey good? Downton Abbey's good until... Whoa! Spoiler! <laughs> Catherine! You can't just I'm lay bombs like that out I'm on a podcast! I'm you can bleep it out. Okay. So now, in addition to the explicit language warning, we're going to have to add a spoiler alert to this episode. Sorry! We're just giving you spoilers I, I from six years ago. <laughs> Whoa. Anyway, guys, we have some people in the room with us today, if you couldn't tell. Do you Special guys want to say hi? Introduce yourselves really quick? Nope. Nope, they do not. Yep. They yes, really no. don't. Yep. They're great people. Don't Big worry about fans. it. Big fans, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Okay, keep going. Sorry. Okay. Um, so, long night. high okay. rollers, mm. doing their thing. Mm-hmm. 1929 comes along. 
1929 is not a good not year a good, to be rich. Yeah. It's a really bad year to be poor, but it's also like not a great Every year to be rich. Every year is a bad year to be poor. Yeah. So the paint fortune collapses. Mm. All of a sudden, they're not super rich anymore. Mm-hmm. Family's kind of like, well, we have this beautiful London townhouse. Mm-hmm. I guess we're going to have to move to our country home. Mm-hmm. Um, and the way that Jean sort of remembers this transition in life is she's never quite sure, like, at what point her parents stopped having money. Mm-hmm. The lifestyle somehow managed to, like, magically not change that much. That's not good. I don't quite understand she's how. Like, you're in crippling debt at some point. At some point. <laughs> it's not going to go well. Um, but the way she remembered it is that her mother's idea of being poor was, quote, going to the Ritz on a bus. End quote. Okay. So well, like we've got a certain view of the world then. That we do. Very Trumpy view of the world. <laughs> so she's on brand. Very on brand. So far. Yep. So late 1920s, family's a little down on their luck, but still doing a just bus fine. Angle, I would say more than a little, but yes. I know with the peasants. Ugh. So awful. I might have to stand. Ugh. It's hard. Um, Rough life. It is. And so as part of that, they send Jean off to a boarding school. First in Hmm. England and then in France. Uh, Unsurprisingly, perhaps, she's neither particularly academic nor really, like, buddy-buddy with the other upper-class girls. Mm. She sort of, like, lives in this weird zone where she'd much rather hang out with the local boys, as she Mm -hmm. calls them. Mm -hmm. Um, And so spends more of her time sort of smoking in the woods and, like, hanging out with the dudes than, like, going to class or making friends with the other girls at her school. I like her a little bit more now. Right? Um, a little bit. So hanging out with the guys, she credits with like two of the things that stick with her for the rest of her life. Her smoking habit. <laughs> she's going to be like a lifelong smoker, mm-hmm. um, which is going to actually come back to be like a part of her political life Ooh. in a great way. Um, and she picks up a lot of cursing as a as a lady of her status. It was Every expected that she should speak well, right? They're going to come home smoking and cursing. Oh, our little lady. <laughs> exactly. And she, you know, checks both of those boxes real quick. That's pretty, that's pretty, okay. Yeah, so, like, late 1930s, Mm -hmm. high society woman Mm -hmm. who, like, smokes and curses like a sailor. Mm -hmm. Um, And so, this is the thing I found really interesting. So, she technically, like, finishes school at 15. Mm -hmm. So, this would be 1937. um, Without taking any of the final exams you would need to take to enter university. So, she just basically is, like, a, a high school graduate for the most part. But, but late nineteen thirty seven high school, so right? Like, and like, and it's like boarding and finishing school, so mm-hmm. academically not necessarily the most rigorous. She is different fluent, standards. yeah. Because mm-hmm. here's the thing: she's fluent in German, French, and Italian, in addition to speaking English. So like, that's nothing to sneeze at. But my God, give her a test on some smoking, and she'll ace it, right? Right. She can do the rings. Oh, arrow I'm, through the ring. I'm sure. You know, all that stuff. Yeah. And then spit in a spittoon right after. That, that's different. Don't worry about it. <laughs> so what does she do after that? So c- kind of unclear. Mm-hmm. She just kind of hangs out in France for like a year or two. Okay. Um, and then World War II starts. Oh, <laughs> great place to be then. <laughs> great place to mm, be. Paris. Um, Nothing bad happens there. Yeah. yeah. So she uh, pretty wisely Sarcasm. gets out of there. Mm-hmm. She uh, dodges that bullet, so mm-hmm. to speak, um, and lands back in England and enlists in the Women's Land Army. Um, which is one of these programs where the government sort of enlists young women to do farm work so that men who would be working on the farms can get released to join the military or do sort of manly war service. Mm. Um, And at the 
peak um, in 1941, 42, there's about 80,000 young women working in this organization. Um, they are called Land Girls, um, except for the there's women. There's a Netflix series about that. There is indeed. I haven't watched it yet. I have not either. I might now. Who's Who knows? How well, I don't know. How does she do in Land Girls? So, good or bad? No, only decide one or the other. It's a dichotomy. Choose one. <laughs> uh, we're going to go with not great. Um, <laughs> here's nice and why. Gray. Good job. Um, so through her family connections, she ends up serving on the farm of David Lloyd George, who's a former prime minister, um, ran England during World War One. He's kind of a big deal. Um, and her family's like, well, if you're working at his farm, like, you probably won't have to do too much physical labor. And, like, socially, you'll, like, still be connected to the right kind of people. Okay. Uh, While serving your country, quote, unquote? Yes. Okay. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, And she ends up living with Frances Stevenson, who is Lloyd George's much younger mistress. Much younger by, like, 30, 40-something years. Age has no number. Age has no number. Don't judge it, Michael. But. uh, Well, wait. How old is he? He, at this point, so he was like a grown-ass man during <laughs> World War One. It is now That's World War Two. So he's at least 60, probably closer to like 70. And so she's like... And she's 20. Oh, okay. I mean, yeah. Like, okay. Early okay. 20s. So they found love. They found love, and there's no like power dynamic issues there at all. No. She um, saw him, and she was like, "That's, that's my boo. Yeah. Um, and the, the really like lovely way that the BBC describes this in her obituary is that Lloyd George was preopic, which is basically a fancy way of saying like horny. Mm. And so would often, and this is one of the weirdest types of sexual harassment I've read about. And that's just like not a great place to be ever Uh is he would measure her with a tape measure just as an excuse to touch her. Yep. <laughs> mm-hmm. And just the the thing. What that... possible need would you have for that? I gotta make sure I don't have to buy new uniforms. Come over here. What? There's not even a good pretense. No. Nope. Not that there should be. Ugh. It just, God. It's the sexual harassment is bad enough. Lazy make sure you're not sexual eating harassment. Too much food. Come here. I'm a mess. Yeah. And the thing that like really stuck out to me is reading all of these British um, obituaries of her, the Mm. sort of like very casual attitude towards the like very rampant, obvious sexual harassment is just kind of like, oh, he was just that kind of guy. And I'm like, this is this was written like a week ago. Mm -hmm. How is this still how Mm -hmm. we're talking about? this? And he's like wealthy and privileged and And, like like, a former prime minister. I'm like, but like. Yo, so and so. 70 years ago. I'm like, pop up. What are you doing? You think we'd be okay being like, sure, he did great things for Britain during the war and was also a sexual harasser. <sighs> but it's fine. Okay. We're here. Mm-hmm. So she does that for about a year mm-hmm. um, and then gets the hell out of there. Um, and again, sort oh, she of, didn't like that? She didn't like that living situation? I can't imagine why. Uh, she's like, I just want to smoke. <laughs> just get me out of here. <laughs> Sorry, this guy touching me. Give me a cigarette. All right. Um, and so she is going to land at a better, less harassy job. Um, family connections and the fact that she speaks German fluently gets her sent to Bletchley Park, where oh, she's going to hey. be part of Breaking the also Enigma Code. Also a great codes. Netflix series. 
I watch a lot of BBC stuff. It's pretty great. Bletchley Circle, highly recommend. Mm-hmm. I th- I have watched some of those episodes. It's pretty I good. Really it's like weird murder. You don't expect it to like take this like murder mystery because mm-hmm. they're all nerds, but then they solve crimes. It's great. Yeah, it's really good. Mm-hmm. So um, she's she's so she's doing actually that. participating. In the right, she's yeah. like contributing to the war effort. Um, mm-hmm. For like brief interlude for like the three people who haven't seen the Imitation Game and like don't know the story. Allies are trying to break a German code. It's called the Enigma Code. It's really complicated. They've hired a bunch of really hotshot mathematicians to deal with this, but there's a whole sort of organization helping them do it. Mm -hmm. She's one of the people who's helping to translate the intercepted German signals. So, like, they come into her office. She reads them, translates them, sends them off to whoever needs to work with them. Um, And because she is who she is, she's like, yeah, I'm doing this, like, groundbreaking work that's, like, super important to the war effort. And it's also super boring. And mm. I want to, like, go party. Oh, and so, God, like, girl, get your... Okay. Pick so she's, priority. like, doing the work. And then anytime she gets a 48-hour pass, runs down to London with the friends mm. and, like, parties it up pretty mm-hmm. hardcore mm-hmm. Um, and develops in, like, the best possible way a reputation for being, like, a really hard partying gal. Mm-hmm. Which in London, like, this is during the Blitz, during, like, some of the, like darker days of the war is like a tough thing to manage mm-hmm. but she manages it mm-hmm. um and one of the ways she does that is when she goes out with soldiers she tells them that she's part of the department that awards medals and that apparently focuses their attention on her rather quickly <laughs> smart yeah so mm-hmm. she's like she's thinking yeah. she's using the tools at her disposal yeah um and something that I really, like, love about the the coverage about her is that she's basically, like, one long series of anecdotes. Like, her life just has all of these great little, short, fun stories mm-hmm. um, that I think largely come from the autobiography that she published. was largely ghostwritten, but sort of wrote in the last couple of years of her life that mm-hmm. sort of compiled a lot of her stories together. Mm-hmm. Um, Can but, we talk about how this is the first time since Michael started talking that he's actually looked at his notes? Very impressive. Thank you. I, mean, I have not been able to tell this via the screen that we've been sharing, but continue. It also helps that I may or may not have finished researching this like four hours Don't ago. Don't tell them. I'm trying to be honest about my process. Okay. Okay. It's the holidays. Okay. Um, what so, should you do next, Michael? Um, so next she like almost dies because <laughs> she wants to go to a party. Um, so she's at one party and then hey. wants to go to another at she the... She bombed or something? Yeah. So oh, she what? almost... So she's... Take a drink. <laughs> she runs a little bit late. Um, and because she's late, the cafe she was going to gets bombed right before she Whoa. gets there. Um, and she's like two minutes away when it happens. Jeez. Um, and that's sort of like what nightlife in London that's during so the Blitz stressful. is like. Why do you drink like it's literally the end of the world? Because... It kind of feels it, like it could be. Yeah. yeah. Ugh. Um... No, but thank you. she manages to survive the war, mm-hmm. keeps working at Bletchley through the end, and then goes to France after the war, spends a couple of years. The way it's phrased is like rebuilding the country's internal transportation system. Mm. But basically it seemed like she was part of one of the like many post-war groups that's just helping to like piece the continent back together. Mm-hmm. So she's sort of helping France get their trains running, making sure their road systems are working. Um, doing a lot of the, like, logistical work behind things that, like, you don't often think about at the end of the war. But you're like, yeah, we bombed all of their trains. Mm-hmm. We need to help them, like, fix that so they mm-hmm. can keep doing things. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, 
And then she's going to work really briefly in politics. She's going to go back to the UK and sort of like be a political campaigner for the conservative party there. Um, and then she's like, you know what? I want to go see like what the U S is like. Mom was from there. Still have some family over there. Like, let's go give this a shot. Um, and so she moves in, I want to say like 47, 51. The bio- the other frustrating thing with her is like all of her obituaries are slightly different on the details. And it's like different enough that piecing together like a coherent timeline is frustratingly mm-hmm. difficult. Mm-hmm. Late 40s, early 50s, she moves to New York City. Very quickly develops another like hard partying reputation. Mm-hmm. Working at an ad agency... There's probably some, like, Mad Men-esque stuff going on. Um, yeah. But then, like, meets this really lovely, charming historian. Mr. Trumpington? No. Darn it. Not there yet. Um, <laughs> his name is Alan Barker. Uh, he's oh. a British scholar studying at Yale. Um, and he's going to propose to her in 1953. Excellent. When they're right. back in London for the Queen's coronation. Great, and now we've segued into the next Netflix show, which is The Crown, also great. Continue. I feel like we're really just running down the list of, like, They good... do a lot of content from the BBC. They I'm do. Realizing. I'm a fan. Me too. Mm-hmm. So, everyone, we all remember that Crown episode, like, gorgeous shots of the cathedral and the coronation. It it was like... Oh, first season. Yeah, I'm yep. with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so she, being part of that society, goes back and participates that, and while they're home... Alan proposes to her. Whoa, um, Barker. That's not where she's headed. No. Uh-oh. But now, so she's now Jean Barker, and they're going to move to Cambridge. Such an American-sounding name, isn't it? Right. It's kind of, it's a little bit, it's not. Pedestrian. Yes. Okay. Mm-hmm. It's not Trumpington. It's not Trumpington. Good things ahead. All right. Yes. Um, so they're going to move to Cambridge. He is a headmaster, basically, so sort of very much in the, like, education world, which she notes is rather ironic. Mm-hmm. Because that's very much not what her not her jam not no. her jam mm-hmm. at all. Um, but she tells this great story about her wedding as she's like walking down the aisle. She apparently hears someone saying, "What a waste!" Whoa. And for him jo- or her. Well, the joke she has with her husband is about the spelling of the word "waste." Like, which Uh-oh. one is it? Like, I mean, that boss couldn't get enough of it. <laughs> Kept pulling out the tape measure, so mm-hmm. just like Scarlett O'Hara. Exactly. You'll never be no 18 inches again. Um, <laughs> good. Great. Well, we're going to go with that. Mm-hmm. They were just... Yeah. Complimenting her. Complimenting, you know. Objectifying. Yeah, there we go. That's the word. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay, great. Great. What a waste. <laughs> what happens with Mr. Barker? Um, so he's going to work at a couple of schools. Um, she's also going to be active sort of in the life of the school in the way that, like, you kind of would expect the, like, headmaster's wife in like a kind of stuffy British upper class boarding school mm-hmm. um, except she's not a big fan of the whole like stuffy part of the equation it's like Goodbye Mr. Um, Chips have you seen that movie? No I have not keep going we'll talk about it um, so there you know they'll be like at an awards ceremony for like the swim club or something and she, at the end person. of it she's just like I'm gonna jump in the pool with all my clothes Whoa, on which is just like girl. not something that's done at this time in England. It's still really drugs? not something that's done. She's just like, she's just having a fun. Bon vivant. She, yeah, exactly. French. Boom. Nailed it. We got French in there. Keep going. Yes. Um, apparently, though, um, Alan didn't talk to her for three days after she did that because he was a little unhappy that she had disrupted the discipline of the school oh, or something on. like that. Barker, calm down. Mm-hmm. Um, so she's not quite living the like ideal headmaster's wife life. 
but yeah. is doing her version of it. Send some color. Exactly. Yeah. Um, at the same time, she's pretty active in local politics, um, especially for like a woman of this period. Um, she's elected to the Cambridge City Council in 1963. Okay. Mm-hmm. She's going to serve as mayor for a year. Mm-hmm. Um, she's also going to serve as a local judge. Um, and there's apparently this scandal wherein either she like helps arrest or she actually tackles like her vegetable delivery man who turns out is a serial rapist. Whoa! Who then gets brought before so her court. Or was she just yes. like, not kumquats again? <laughs> <laughs> jumped on it? The details are like very unclear. I'm gonna assume it was both. And then she was like, today's the day. I'm done. You're late every Tuesday. Every Tuesday. And you did a bunch of other horrible things that we don't need to talk about. Mm-hmm. Gross. Well, that worked out well. Yeah. Did she beat him with an eggplant or something? One hopes. One hopes. One can only imagine. Mm -hmm. Or Um. I'm sorry, it's England. Aubergine. (laughs) (laughs) Gotta be right. Okay. Mm -hmm. So she's living that colorful life. Living that colorful life. We're getting there. Uh. We're almost there. It's so close. Okay. Um, She runs for the House of Commons twice for the district around Cambridge. Loses both times. Um, But in the meantime is also working... um, sort of locally on some women's issues, um, particularly around, like, women in prison, um, women's rights. So, like, interestingly, like, for, like, a conservative-leaning politician is, like, active in some social causes that, at least in the U.S., we wouldn't necessarily associate with conservatism, i.e. caring about people. Whoa! Shots fired. (laughs) Sorry, team. That's where I'm at. Mm -hmm. Um, But in 1980... In part because of all of the, like, work she does. Wait, where are we at now? We're in 1980. So sort of two decades of, like, public service, raising a kid, doing the, like, headmaster's wife thing. Yeah. Lands us in 1980, Mm. where she's going to be a lord. Okay. In 1980, she gets baroness. Mm. So technically, her title is the Baroness of Trumpington. But, of course, the shorthand for that is Lady Trumpington. Where is Trumpington? Trumpington is a small town outside of Cambridge. Um, It's apparently sort of where her first, like, political activity comes from. I am so sorry. You're choking on the elitism. (laughs) I'm just being crushed over here by the elite British privilege. Yeah. I thought there was going to be some old (laughs) silly man called Stanley Trumpington that was going to waltz in here. And steal her away from the fuddy-duddy Barker, but that's not the case. No, I'm so sorry to disappoint. She picks this name. She made an active choice to be the Baroness of Trumpington. Wouldn't you? That's not an option available to me. No doddering little man required. She just gets she just gets a title. She just gets a title. That's a big deal. All right. It is. Um, and so once she enters the House of Lords, that's kind of like a big step. And so she's going to become really active in conservative politics for the next decade and a half, really. That's in, peak Thatcher time, isn't it? It is such Sorry, peak Thatcher time. I don't want to get ahead of you. You <laughs> no, got so animated. That is great. You love that Thatcher. I, no, I'm not a huge she's fan a of monster, Thatcher. Yeah. She's the I worst. I mean, she's great for a lot of re- reasons, you know. But she's also the worst. For anybody that, like, fears a woman won't be tough enough, just look at that. Just look at that. Ten years. Iron lady. Oh, my God. Spiky. Yes. Um, she is the prime minister from 1979 to 1990, so overlaps pretty much exactly with Trumpington. Yeah. Um, and the fun thing is... They're besties. They're they such besties. Share. They are such they besties. Uh, whatever the, like, 
older British conservative woman version of sleepovers. Good pat on the back and a cup of tea. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, she is apparently one of the only women that Thatcher gets along with. Like, period. Wow. Like, didn't dig into that as much as I should have, but, like, I'm sure there's some, like, fascinating, I mean, weird dynamics there. 100%. Women in power. Yeah. That's, yeah, that's hard. Yeah. Maybe it's because they're so different. Like, they're very similar in many ways, but they also are very different. Yeah, and that's in a lot of ways how she sort of credits their relationship. She's Mm -hmm. very different from Thatcher, and she's willing to be like, hey, this is what I think, even if it's completely in the opposite direction from where Maggie's going. And so that sort of relationship. Maggie, are we? Okay. All right. You got a weird crush on Margaret Thatcher, don't you? I despise her so much. (laughs) She's, like, my least favorite, like, Uh least favorite British Mm -hmm politician whoa it's, top of the list huh? top of the list her and ronald reagan are up there with like, oliver cromwell not up favorite. there he's pretty heinous he's like the worst mm-hmm. but like mm-hmm. questionably is he british is he english there's like a whole question of national identity there that we could well, dig he into do a lot to ireland he did make so much to ireland <laughs> um, um most of my like irish history class when i was abroad was like cromwell's the worst yeah don't talk about him no either. they've not gotten over They're that yet not a fan which, yeah. Anyway, that's another episode. It is. In a different podcast, because he's a man. We don't <laughs> talk about them. No, we don't. <laughs> um, okay, so okay. she's besties with Margaret Thatcher. She's besties with Thatcher. Um, Great. And so in 1985, she gets made Minister for Health. What a Galentine's that would be. <laughs> Sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> so, 1985, mm. health minister. Oh. Still smoking. Um. Like, like, as, like, publicly as possible, she, like, mm-hmm. goes out on the steps of Parliament Building on National Anti-Smoking Day with, like, a big cigar or a pipe every year. Makes a thing of it. But is also the Minister of Health. Great. Because that's how that you works. You know, you put the people that are qualified for the job, you know? Exactly. She sounds qualified. Like, she knows about health because she's around, I guess. I don't know. She's, she's alive. Know. Therefore, oh she's, like, qualified to talk about these issues. Health, yeah. Um, and she's going to serve in, like, a bunch of different sort of governmenty positions. Mm. I don't 100% understand how the, like, relationship between the House of Lords and the House of Commons works in terms of, like, Oh, man, you know about Black stuff. Rod? No. Not a euphemism. <laughs> Literally, uh, there's one <laughs> session of uh, Parliament. Oh, God, I'm going to get this so wrong. But I'm American, so get over it. Um, because of all the stuff that went down with Cromwell for... Um, the Queen's address, she is not allowed, or any monarch is not allowed to go into the House of Commons. So what happens is they send a delegate to go summon commons to come to the House of Lords to listen to the Queen or the King. And so that takes place in this big ceremony where they send Black Rod, who is one of the House, one of the members of the House of Lords, and he has a staff, and he has to walk down the hallway and as he gets to the end of the hallway, they slam the door in his face. It's very theatrical. There's clips of it on YouTube. And uh, the House of Commons slams the door in his face, and he has to knock on the door and request them to come. It's like a sign of their own um, uh, autonomy as a body of parliament. And, yeah, it's because of all the uh, ish that went down with Cromwell and, and King Charles II, who they killed. It was stupid. But on the wall, on the door... <laughs> There's a little notch out of where he's, over the years, they've just 
bang the crap out of the stick on that. It's, That's it's awesome. so fun. He has a whole outfit he has to wear. There's a whole thing with a scepter. It's quite dramatic. And there's this really great politician. I'm sorry, we're talking about a lot of men on this episode, but there's this politician. There's this, a member of the House of Commons who's like a notorious, just liberal. He was a coal miner. I don't know his name. I'm so sorry. But he is notorious for... Um, given a line, given a quip when they ask for them to come in. So he he always throws one at the guy that's just knocked on the... I'm sorry, Black Rod. He always like gives a little <laughs> line to Black Rod to be like, oh, yeah, we're going to go talk to her lady. Mm, her met. Anyway, it's a YouTube clip. You should check it out. It's pretty fun in terms of like, wow, we think our Congress is weird. Get, <laughs> get into some parliamentary but C-SPAN like, stuff. It's, I'm like so much more pro that than like fun. whatever bullshit we're doing. You know... I'm sure they've got a lot of problems, too. Oh, they do. But if we're not going to vote man, for... man, they put a little show in exactly. on a certain day. Yeah. If we're not going to give people health care, we might as well do it with a flair. Not these, like, boring men in suits just, like, walking across a stage. Yeah. Like, put some stockings on or something. Right. The funny wigs. The, like, big yeah, robes. Yeah, what's that? But, Whatever. I mean, there's tradition. some... Tradition. There's some truly excellent pictures of Lady Trumpington in her, like, big red robes with, like big men in uniforms that mm-hmm. are equally ridiculous and it is just like an mm-hmm. excellent walk through like british traditional attire yeah yeah Sorry, i feel like there's gonna tangent. be a lot of i have links. to show you this youtube clip when we're done <laughs> i'm gonna show you black rod there's gonna be so many links in the show notes this week oh god what if that's wrong is it black rod somebody google it <laughs> well we're working on that Sorry. Mm-hmm. um one more great so this is sort of this incident mm. in the house of lords 85 um 2012. Whoa. We're going to jump. She's Because the 90s around? happen. She stays. What is that? 80? She's 80? Um, she is 90? 90. She's 90? She is 90. She is actually not going to retire from the House of Lords until age oh. 95. Girl. She didn't retire until 2017. She's still there. And she sh- and she's not like one of the House of Lords who like shows up like once a year. She is there every session. Busy bee. Okay. Yeah. She's not messing around. So 2012, what's going on? 2012, um, there's a debate happening on Remembrance Day, which is sort of the UK version of Veterans Day. Mm. Um, And one of her fellow members giving a speech about, like, having met veterans and, like, thanking them for their service. But, like, Mm -hmm. he starts by talking about, like, meeting the last living World War I veteran. Mm. And then makes a comment about, like, the World War II veterans are, like, getting up there in age now. And gestures at her, she, of course, being an older World War II veteran, Mm. uh, she not being so happy to be publicly called out for being old and for not looking great, his words, basically, flips him the V, (gasps) which is the British version of the finger. Whoa! Um, And on the British version of C-SPAN, this goes viral, and everyone is, like, super jazzed about this, like, 90-year-old woman taking zero shit from this, like young uppity whippersnapper who's like granted like 50 something but like he's like trying to talk no. down to her and she is having none of it wow um and so she sort of gets invited to she like she gets memed she gets memed what in life <laughs> youtube sensation gets invited on like talk shows and like appears on like all of these things that like makes a big deal of like it's like ninety year old woman who is still like, hey, there going it. Shut your mouth. She is, when you're talking to me. <laughs> <laughs> she has so few fucks to give at this yeah. point. Mm-hmm. Um and so she's like 
kind of like the celebrity of the House of Lords, mm. and like not in the like getting caught doing cocaine with hookers <laughs> celebrity type, but more in the like. Did that happen? It did. Wait, who? Uh, I can't remember his name, but there's this excellent um, last week's night episode that just sort of details Uh-oh. like all of the ridiculous shit that people in the House of Lords do. Um, Come on. And one of them gets caught on tape. Whoa. Smoking or no? What is it's doing lines of coke off of. Um, oh God, Michael! Sex workers' oh, abs, Michael, with a picture of his wife like in the room, and he and he like makes the he like takes the time to, like put the picture down because he respects her. Yep, it's great. What a keeper! Yeah, British we politics is Weaver's awesome. Bad. They're all bad. <laughs> They're all Isn't bad. That nice men in power, generally. People in power can be pretty bad. Yeah, um, and so. Should talk briefly about her politics. Mm. They are very conservative. Mm. With the exception of this, like, legalizing mm. brothels thing, which is, like, one of her, like, long-running things. Where are they going to party after a night in the House of Lords? <laughs> <laughs> you know? Sounds like. She's just trying to, like, help her brother out, right? Hook her, <laughs> hook her friends up. Oh, sorry. <laughs> I didn't mean to. Oh. That's pretty good, puns. though. Oh, sorry. I never make an intentional pun. It's... I will... Yeah. I think there's something about being in this building. There's just, like, too many puns floating around in yeah, the air. Yeah, so you just gotta grab one. Um, okay. Um, but she's a mm-hmm. Brexit supporter. Great. Opposed a ban on fox hunting. Come on, girl. Yeah. So just, like, sort of, like, the full slate of, like, traditionalist conservative viewpoints thrown in with this, like, very, like, sort of out there personal life. Mm. It's a little incongruous, but what made she you makes find her and want to do this? She popped up. Um, the New York Times had an obituary on her that, like, in the Whoa, typical. She died. Sorry. Yeah. When she died? Uh, she died like two weeks ago. Whoa! Topical, Michael. Yeah. All right. Um, but then the it's so funny the the way the New York Times writes these things like they kind of hint at the like more ridiculous moments in her life, but mm-hmm. like don't really talk about it. They make it sound like she's this very like upstanding, like conservative figure who like that's all she is but then you read the british obituaries because british press is like much more tabloidy than the u.s stuff and they get into all of the like juicy details and you can read like i read like three different obituaries and all have like three different sets of great stories about her life Mm. um and i was like she seems fascinating and like sort of different from the like anybody that's lived 90 plus years has got some stuff yeah got some stories into that's quite a century to live through. Yeah. I mean, any century, but yeah. Um, huh. Yeah. And so there are a couple of other great stories about her. The one that, like, I deeply appreciated is, so she in the 90s, she goes on this British program called Desert Island Discs, where they invite famous people on to, like, talk about the music you would listen to if you could, like, hmm. only bring so much music to a desert island. Oh, God. What'd she say? Um... What it's like, no one remembers the music she said, but they always ask, like, if you could bring one thing with you, what would you bring? And she's like, I'd bring the crown jewels because then at least maybe someone would come looking for me. Oh, (laughs) so they're like, That's a pretty humor, nice, yeah, she's got it. Um, but so she, so she, right, so she passes away November of this year. Um, Mm. but before she does, she gets awarded the Legion of Honor from France, which is France's highest honor, Mm. um, as part of a ceremony honoring veterans who had served at Bletchley Park, Mm, part of the Enigma program. That's cool. Yeah. So even at like 96, so like off doing stuff. Um, insane. Yeah. So it was just like a really interesting and like 
interesting look into like British high society in the like pre-World War II world of like yeah. what that life is and then like sort of what what happens to that society after the war and sort of the changes they go through. Were there any political causes that you found worthwhile that she pursued or were you not so she not on her team necessarily, but the know. the thing I will give her is so she does a lot of work on the status of women and also on consumer advocate advocate. So she serves as the chair of the Air Transport Users Committee, which is this organization in Britain. It's like an independent watchdog for air travel. Mm. And they're basically like the consumer protection bureau for people who fly. And so they like go after airlines for price gouging or like unsafe things. And like that, really cool. Um, And she's the UK representative to the UN Commission on the Status of Women. Mm. So like doing a lot of work, like advocating for women, um, and also works a lot on, like, women's criminal justice issues. So, like, yeah, yeah. advocating for better conditions in women's prisons and making sure that they have access to resources and stuff like that. Nice. Um, yeah. So, definitely, it's, it's interesting. Like, it's not the, like, the slate of things that she cares about. Like, some of them are, like, very traditional conservative, like, she Sounds very, like, unique issues. and, like, had her own mind about a lot of stuff. I think so. And I think sort of her... Didn't tow a party line just to tow it. She, like... Yeah. Genuinely had opinions about things. Exactly. And her experience, it seems like, in the war, um, definitely, like, indicated, like, no, women can do things and should be able to do things. Right. And that we should provide them the opportunities to do that in a way that, like... devil's advocate, Margaret Thatcher. I mean, like, some would say the country fell apart while she was in power, but at the same time, like... Yes. First female prime minister. You know... Nothing exploded, guys. It can happen. It's fine. Exactly. Don't calm down. Yeah, and I'm sure there's, like, a lot of, like, unexamined sexism in my opinions of Thatcher that, like, I should sit down and look at. Well, you know, that's your homework for next time, so. Great. Yeah. (laughs) No, I'm just, like, I'm sad that it happened in 1979 over there and we still can't get anybody in. Not even a VP (sighs) over here. Yep. It's, like, what do you need? We had answers to that. So Michelle Obama. (laughs) I actually, that's a great transition. Should we segue? I think we should segue. It'll be short. First, so uh, first female president. Is not going to be Michelle Obama. She would rather die. I know, but like, think about like an Obama-Biden ticket. She 100% will not do it. But like her and Jill, just like for a second. Her and Jill are doing just fine. They're doing just fine, but like, they're the team the country needs. Yeah, but they're not the team the country deserves. That's true. We need to pay a penance right now. And that is some neutral, boring person who's calm and, like, speaks to the middle of the country. Mm. That's who I think is going to... Anyway, we can talk about hypotheticals later. But this book is really good. And I recommend you buy the audiobook because you hear her voice telling her story. And at book club last night, we talked about quite a few things. And predictions for 2020 was one of them. But I will say... Um, with a political person, um, there's obviously like going to be editing that's in there. There's clearly a political stance on how she viewed things, but I will say it was really refreshing to hear her story, uh, from her own voice. And it was like uninterpreted and undissected. Hmm. Uh, And I realized that over eight years, I had never listened to her speak more than a sound clip here or there, or maybe a speech every two years or so. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you don't hear her talking about her family in that way. You don't hear these kind of more intimate stories about 
different struggles that she had. And to hear it just without commentary by name a cable news show, like conservative or liberal, they all have to dissect what she just said and like, oh, and then reflect back and like clip it here and clip it there and edit it down to the thing. And just, I thought she was pretty fair about not, you know, calling people out on how she was treated, even though she easily could have. That's hundred percent easy could have. fodder for a book. She didn't really spend her time on that. She spent her time on like what she really worked on, what was um, most impactful. And most of the book is not the White House. Oh, interesting. Most of the book is like. Yeah, is like her whole, like the whole, it's in thirds. The whole first third is like her childhood. Second third is like her young adulthood and meeting Barack and starting a family. And then the last third, which is the shortest, is um, the political life. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it's just, yeah, it's refreshing. Yeah. It's really nice to hear. The ending, I, yeah, I don't know. I have some feelings about it in terms of like, it's 2018 right now, and in 2016, when they left office, I don't think I engaged with them once they left, because it, <laughs> I don't want to be melodramatic, guys, but it, like, hurt too much to, like, remember the good old times of, like, oh, a nice family, <laughs> oh, that they, they like each other, and, you know, the girls were always exciting to see what they were doing, and, like, you, were, you know, I was just, I was on their team. I don't think it's... So when they left, I was like, just go. And you didn't really, you know, there was a lot going on. Yeah. So it's the first time I've gotten back and to be like, oh, yeah, I really liked you. Oh, yeah, I really, that was a good time. Yeah. Was yeah. there anything you thought was, like, really surprising or stood out? Yeah. I mean, without giving, I mean, yeah. The fact that they struggled with getting pregnant mm. and that she talks about having to do IVF. I did not know which, that. Yeah. That whole thing. There's a lot that she tells you about, like, the details of what it is to live at the White House. That I'm sure she can't give you everything, but, like, they lock you in. The glass is bulletproof. um, And therefore, there's a weird sound to the White House because nothing gets in. So Mm. there's kind of a weird dead kind of zone in terms of sound and being able to, like, hear things. Um, Which I was like, that must be eerie. And um, she... Uh, her focus was always her children, even though she took the first lady job super seriously. Her priority was always like stability for the girls. Mm-hmm. And that was just every time she got a little like more into like the politics or like going on trips or whatever. And she'd be like, and then I had to come back and like figure out Malia and Sasha and how they were going to get to school and like how to, how are they going to have normal? They didn't ask for this. They didn't ask for this. Yeah. I signed up and said I would do it, but they never did. How do we keep them grounded? And I knew that, but it was just really nice to hear it from her own mouth. Yeah. But I think her childhood, her entire childhood, I found impressive. And interesting and her love of Chicago and like the fact that the Obama library is going to be in Chicago mm-hmm. and there's going to be just as much about her as him in that library. I think it's his presidential library, but the fact that she, the only reason he's tied to Chicago is because of her in a lot of ways. Yeah. Um, I recommend it. It's long, but it's great. Amazing. I've got a lot of long car rides. Ahead of yeah. Me. It's so good. She's so good. Um, and her, yeah, her, her dad, yeah, 
her dad had a lot. Uh, her reason for caring about health and the well-being of others stems from her childhood. And so you just kind of see, as she's laying out these, like, stories of her life, you're like, I understand why you're so great now. Like, everything led you to be this person. And you worked incredibly hard. Mm-hmm. Coupled with that. But, yeah, she hates... <laughs> She hates politics. She won't. She won't do it. <laughs> it. We deserve it. I mean, we don't deserve it. We. We need it. We need it. But no, she'd have to do something terrible at some point, and it just wouldn't be fair to her. That's do you know what so I mean? true. Yeah. She's better where she's at. Yeah, and I mean, I think it, it seems like the stuff that the the foundation and the library are doing in Chicago, like the I think Obama that's Fellows where she's going to go. Stuff. I think that's she saw like the. She saw how her city changed when she was little to, like, now. And, like, all we hear for us who don't live there, all we hear about Chicago is, like, the death rate and, like, the gun. At least I do. And it's probably not fair to Chicago, but I think you could tell that bothers her because Chicago gave her everything. So Mm -hmm. I do wonder if that's maybe where their future uh, impact can be felt. Yeah, I think she really cares about that. And the fact that her mom still owns the house that she grew up in. And they lived there. Like, her and Barack lived there. Oh, there's also, like, subtle... I think this is my... Well, we talked about this, too. She talks about, like, staying at Barack's and him staying at her house before they were married. And I was like, is this the first time we've had a first lady say that (gasps) we had a relationship prior... You know what I mean? Like, openly? I don't know. But that would be a fascinating question. But I was to go kind of like, is this a thing? Because this was the 90s and things are different, you know? Yeah. I don't know either, but that's a. But open about it and like, <clears throat> didn't give you any like dirty details or anything, but. I mean, she's too classy for that. Modern romance in that way. Yeah. It was great. Amazing. It was great. I will definitely add that to my holiday list. Becoming. Becoming. Great. So, two very different versions of like a public life. Politics. Politics. Different spectrum. Yeah. Yeah. Very cool. A Trump and Obama. Yeah, we got we finally got our Trump and Obama episode. Uh, just I just not. sneered at Michael. I didn't <laughs> like that. I didn't like that at all. But now we don't have to do it. No, yeah. Ivanka next week? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Tiffany. Um, I feel like Tiffany's the really like the one no one looks at. That's fine. <laughs> It's so funny. She's at so one of my friends is going to law school with her right now, and her she's one, in law school. She's in law school. She's at Georgetown Law right now. I need a minute. Um, mm-hmm. Well, they need some more lawyers in that family. The way oh, things are going right do. now. <laughs> oh, dude, that yeah. I mean, by the time this episode comes out, who knows what's happened? Oh God, guys. Oh God. Oh, and I. <laughs> I'm worried it's going to be like nothing that we can really wrap our heads around. I worry about a lot of things with that whole thing. I don't know. I feel like that's putting it really lightly. I think we're doing our best. Yeah. As a country. And we're going to keep moving forward. Yeah. Looking forward to the next Congress. Oh, my God. Yeah. Blue wave. Blue wave. Do you think it was a blue wave? Oh, yeah. 100%. I do, too. I just think it was belated. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, nothing was decided on the night, and so everyone was like, oh. And then it turned out it was... More blue than we thought. Yeah. So, like, we should we should be appreciative of that, celebrate that victory, and then, mm-hmm. like... Record number of women. Record number of women of color. A lot of records. Yeah. We're going to have... Now they can run for president. Do it. 
run. <sighs> yes, please. It's going to be a dude. It's going to be a white dude. <laughs> We're just not ready. <laughs> we need a palate cleanse. <laughs> I would love a palate cleanse of crazy. And then we can get back into like some, I don't know, somebody different. Well, we've got to get there first. Know, right? Two more years. Although the campaign season starts in about Let's just pick seconds. a less controversial topic. Let's just go. Everybody vote. Okay? Just vote. I don't care how you vote. Just vote. Cool? Great. Especially if you're under 30. Don't worry about it. Okay. <laughs> Is that it? I feel like we should, like, finish on a high note. Because, like, we often, like, get to this point in the episode yeah, where, like, we're we've down. kind of winded down to the, like, depressing realities with which we must be confronted. Okay. Um, th- so there is a great podcast series that I've been listening to uh-huh. called Men. <laughs> great, you say? It's great. So it's all about it, toxic Is masculinity. It's like mediocre, but like, they think they're great. <laughs> um, so it's all about like toxic masculinity um, and sort of all of the different like negative ways that like maleness impacts culture and people and yeah. specifically women. Uh-huh. Um, and it's excellent. It's um, by seen on radio. Um, I think the audience for it is men mm-hmm. who, like, need to be thinking about things and who haven't necessarily. Because it's the kind of thing where it's, like, most of the stuff they're talking about is, like, fairly, I would imagine, fairly obvious to women. Because it's like, oh, yeah, this happens to me all the time. Mm-hmm. But for men, it's sort of, like, putting it in the context and be like, this is the, like, 87 problems. Mm-hmm. And here are, like, some, like, things you could do to not be problematic. Mm-hmm. So it's, like, in that way, it's really good. But they had an episode about... Um, sort of all of the, like, new terms that get coined around, like, like, um, like, empathy, which is this term to describe the, like, empathy people give towards men who are sexual harassers. You're like, but, like, their lives. We don't want to mess their lives up. And there's sort of this, like, irrational... empathy? Empathy. H-I-M-P-A-T-H-Y? Yep. <laughs> um, but so the mansplaining of, like, many terms. Exactly. Or, um, what's the one I read earlier? Mysteria. Mysteria. Ooh, what is that? The hysterics surrounding, like, uh, oh, um, providing opportunity for women will radically ruin the opportunities for men and, like, the fervor that that creates. I'm like, mm-hmm. we can't let all these women in here. Where will the men go? That, yes. That fervor? Mm-hmm. That was a pretty good line reading of the situation, right? That was fabulous. Kind of like post-World War II, where it's like, get out of the factory! Where are the guys gonna go? It's like, well, just hire, well, just build, I don't know. <laughs> Maybe go half? I'm like, no, they, that's all their jobs. We don't know what to do. Yeah. League of their own? That whole thing. Mm-hmm. But so I figured maybe we could finish by like, so there's a list out mm. um, of sort of new terms that some people are like, we're gonna just throw these out and see how they stick. Mm. Some of them I think are stronger than others. Okay. Um, but I'm thinking maybe we could just like read a couple of them okay. and finish on Pick that your note. Faves and we'll read um, so bro motor <laughs> is one of my favorites. It's a man who advocates for the advancement of women, um, like like promoter, but bro motor, a bro motor. Um, there's errors of bro mission. Which I feel is like biggest of bro and things, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is a failure to proactively endorse qualified female candidates for leadership roles and other professional opportunities. That's uh, um, too real. Yeah. <laughs> mentoring, which are men who only mentor other men. Mm-hmm. Um, we just got more in common. Mm-hmm. Um, mustaching, which oh, is God. a favorite. What is that? 
Uh, it's the act of filling senior leadership roles with men and only men. So business. Like, right. so everything. So things, <laughs> yeah. Um, and then per- perpetual bro um, a cycle in which confirmed sexual harassers are sheltered from public view, shuffled around, and ultimately advanced while experiencing so only m- token disciplinary consequences. That's their creepy measuring tape in their estate. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. David Lloyd George. Yeah. There. What was that last one? Uh, perpetual bro Yeah. That's real. Yeah. Who put this together? Um, so the this, podcast did? Um, no, so this is from the... Um, oof. It is a lexicon for gender bias in academia and medicine. Nice. Um, and you just it, made so many conservatives just like roll over. All like, of those ah, words, wrong. right? It's too much allowance of feelings. I don't like it. Um, and I, it's published in BMJ, and I don't know what that is an acronym for. It all is right. like a medical journal of some sort. Cool. Um, but there's some great we'll terms on the list. We'll put a link in the show notes. Great. We can all look and see what of those terms we want to enter the the vocabulary of 2019. Yeah. Yeah. Great. Bro, Mysteria is delight. I really like Mysteria. Where are the men going to go? <laughs> I don't know. That's your problem. Bye. I'm going to keep working. Bye. <laughs> um, great. Jen, well, we missed you. We did. It's been so fun doing this in person, I know. Katie. I'm a little bummed we won't get to do this again for I a while. Know. We'll have to make it work somehow. Yeah. Financially, it's going to be problematic, but it's worth it. Yeah. I think. Can figure out a way to come visit. Yeah, right? Can, like, prepare. We'll do, like... Well, we'll see each other around New Year's. Yeah. Should we... Are we? Maybe. We'll be in the same state. We will. Let's You're think about working, that. But... Okay, we got to go make some plans. Yep. Bye. Bye. We hope you enjoyed listening to this episode of Missing History. If you have suggestions for women you think we should profile, email us at missinghistorypodcast at gmail.com. You can get in touch with us at Miss History Pod on Twitter or Missing History on Instagram. We're also on Facebook at Missing History. If you like the show, please rate, review, and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. Today's episode was produced by Jen and co-executive produced by Frankie the Dog. Thank you for listening to Missing History.